There you go. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Now the word tempt there, translated from the original Hebrew, means test. So God tested Abraham when he said, and when we come into Genesis chapter 22, Abraham is going to be tested. And you wonder at this point, you know, God, why are you testing Abraham now? Because for the last eight chapters, I believe, is the book of the book of Genesis, you've been testing him. From the first time you called him and told him to get up and leave out of the city, it was a test. He told him, leave your family behind, get up and go to a place that I'm going to tell you to go to. So from the very beginning, God was testing him, and yet it still wasn't enough. God still felt like he had to test Abraham more. What was he testing in Abraham? He was testing his obedience. Every time God tested Abraham, it was his obedience that he was testing. How many here today feel that God is constantly testing your obedience? constantly testing your obedience. Now, the question is this, how many times, wow, I just about fell over right there, man. That is crazy. How, how many people, though, are obedient when God tests you? How many people are obedient when God tests you? I'm going to tell you right now, the presence of God is in this place tonight, and by the time it is over with, God is going to test the obedience of some people in here. Can you say amen? When we get to verse 3 now, and, it said, and verse 2 says, And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac. Isaac was the promise, the promise that he was going to build nations off of, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. So now God tests him and he tells him, go, you're going to sacrifice your son. He tells him this at night. So what's the first thing Abraham did when he woke up in the morning? You can answer it. It's not a trick question. What's the first thing Abraham did when he woke up in the morning? He saddled his ass and he began to go. He got everything together and he went. He didn't wake up in the morning and say, Honey, come out here into the kitchen, sit down at the table. i got to talk to you about this. I'm wondering if it's God or not. Can you help me? Did you have a dream about it maybe? Or maybe we should just pray for three or four confirmations to see if this is what God wants us to do. No, he didn't. He got up and he went. And why did he get up and he go? Because he knew it was God that was speaking to him. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times in our life when confirmation is necessary, where God does confirm things, and usually that's through his word. But in this case, Abraham didn't have the word of God to go back to to look at to get confirmation, did he? No, because the word of God was being wrote as he was going through this. He was the word of God being wrote into the book of Genesis. So he didn't have the word of God to go to for confirmation. So he only had one thing. That was his faith and his trust in God. The same God that told him, when you're 100 years old, you're going to have a kid. And nobody believed him would take place. And God honored what he told him he was going to do. So in honoring that, Abraham's faith was built up. Abraham's trust in God was built up. So now when God tells him, he says, hey, I want you to take your son up to the mountain tomorrow morning. I want you to head the direction. I'm going to tell you where to go. And when you get there, you're going to sacrifice your son. Abraham did not hesitate. He did not question God. He did not wonder. He got up and he went, and I would almost venture to say that he probably didn't tell Sarah a thing about it. Because I don't know too many mothers that would sit there and say, oh, sure, Abe, go ahead. Take, all, take the boy on up there. Take him up there and, you know, take him out. You know, appreciate it. Go ahead and go. How many, if, Mark, if you were to tell your wife tomorrow morning, God told me to take, you know, the, I'm not going to say the name because she's sitting here, <laughs> take her up the hill and take care of business. What do you think Katie's going to say? 
Now, I'm not saying Abraham didn't tell his wife. I'm just saying I could see Abraham really being browbeat until he got on the donkey and went. So Abraham gets up immediately and obeys God, though. He doesn't hesitate. He does what God tells him to do. How many in here today, God has told you to do something? It might have been a year ago, two years ago. It might have been two, three weeks ago, and you hesitated. And because you hesitated in being obedient unto God, you lost out on that promise that he had for you. You lost out on something God was trying to do. You may not even know as you sit here the blessing or the miracle that was going to take place in your life, but because you were disobedient unto the Father, it didn't happen. In verse 4, it says, Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Now, to me, this is a mighty, this is a great test for Abraham because now it tells us that he walked with Isaac, his son, for three days. For three days, he had to walk with this young man looking at him, knowing that he was about to kill him. He was about to sacrifice him unto God. That would be like me and Elijah going and hanging out for three days in the entire time, me knowing that at the end of this, I'm going to take a knife and I'm going to stick it in him. That ain't happening, Elijah. Quit looking at me like that. <laughs> Elijah, we're going out of town this weekend. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So for three days, he's got to walk, but you don't ever see Abraham wavering. You don't ever see him stopping. You don't ever hear how it talks, how Abraham was labored in his walk, how Abraham cried out to God, how Abraham suffered. You don't ever see that. You see Abraham going and being obedient unto God. Being obedient unto God. That's the theme of this message tonight. Verse 5. If I can find it. Man, my eyes are failing me right now. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. And what's the last words it says? And come again unto you. Look what Abraham says again. I'm going to repeat it. And, the, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now Abraham gets to the place on the third day where he was going to. The third day he gets to the mountain that God's getting ready to send him up on. So now you got Abraham. He's got the wood. He's got the sun. He comes to the mountain. And on the third day, what does he see? On the third day he sees the place that the sacrifice is going to take place. And he looks at his men that were there to help him travel. And he says, hey, hold on to everything right here. I'm taking the boy up that mountain because I'm going to be obedient to God, but I'm going to return and he's going to be back with me. How did Abraham know that Isaac was coming back down off that mountain? God didn't tell him you're going to go up there and you're going to see a ram in the thicket, did he? God didn't tell him, hey, get up there and the moment you get ready to do the deed, I'm going to rescue you. He didn't know that. How did Abraham know that he was coming back down that mountain with Isaac? Because what Abraham was holding fast to is what Abraham held fast to when he was obedient unto God when he got up that morning and left. It was the same thing that he was obedient to when God promised him a son, when God promised him nations, when God took him out to the sand and said, see the sand of the seashore? This is how many, this is your seed. See the stars in the sky? That's how many, that's the seed that's going to come from you. God and Abraham was holding on fast to that promise of God, the promise that the seed was going to come through him. He knew that he was in his old age. He knew that Isaac was the promised one and through Isaac those nations would be birthed so God could not take Isaac off that hill from him he was going to have to return with him in order to God to uphold his end of the bargain can you say amen 
How many times in our life has God asked us to do something and he's sitting there waiting for us to do our part to be obedient so that he might be able to bless us on the back end of it, yet we hesitate. We don't step into that obedience. We don't step into that thing God has for us. It's time that the church rose up and stepped in obedience into what God has for us and in stepping into that obedience, hang on to the promises that he has promised us that those who obey and are obedient unto me, he is faithful and just to hold on tight to his promises and to bless you with them. Hold on to the promises of God that are in His Word. What's the Bible say in 1 Samuel 15 chapter in the 22nd verse? Obedience is better than sacrifice. You can sacrifice all your time all day long. You can sacrifice time away from your job, time away from your family, time away from your church. You can sacrifice everything in your life, but if you're not being obedient unto God, you are falling on the rocks. For obedience is better than sacrifice. If we look now over to verse 7. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And so Abraham's going to take Isaac. He's going to build an altar. He's going to take the wood and he's going to lay it on the altar. And then he's going to bound Isaac up and he's going to lay him on top of that wood. That wood is going to be on the back of Isaac. The same way the wood, the cross, was on the back of Jesus Christ. And guess what? Jesus Christ went instead so that Isaac wouldn't have to. So that you and I wouldn't have to. So that we wouldn't have to be a sacrifice. He was the lamb that was laid on the cross. The lamb for sin are slain so that you and I wouldn't have to go through what Abraham went through that day. But what God does want us to go through that Abraham went that day is the obedience part of it. God will never ask you now to go and sacrifice because his son was the ultimate sacrifice for us. He was the lamb for sinners slain. But there is an obedience unto those that have said yes to Jesus and said yes to the cross. And if you are not obedient unto that, you are disobedient. And when you're disobedient unto God, you're sinning. And when you're sinning, you're not right. So Isaac now here on the altar is a typology of Christ gone on the third day. On the third day, Christ rose up, didn't he? On the third day, Christ rose up from the grave. What day was it that Abraham went on top of the mountain? It was on the third day. And it is on the third day we had our salvation. We had our eternal life. Abraham toiled for three days with his son Isaac. But praise God for the third day. Because on the third day, he climbed up the mountain. He laid his son down. But there was a lamb, a ram in the thicket that was there to be sacrificed so his son wouldn't have to be sacrificed and that's the same way it was for you and I Christ was standing there in the thicket for Danielle for Marty for every single person in here Christ was standing in the thicket so you wouldn't have to be the sacrifice instead he was the ultimate sacrifice for you and all he says is come unto me be obedient to my spirit for I have redeemed thee The place, what I find amazing here is the place that they stopped on top of the mountain is the exact same place that years later Solomon would build his temple. As a matter of fact, they say that the place where the holy, the holy place was and that the Ark of the Covenant rested was the exact place that Abraham had put his altar at this day. The exact same place where the presence of God and the voice of God pierced the sound of, of, of a child laying there about to, be cried, got, about to be killed. That same place where God's Holy Spirit, God's presence descended 
David and said, Abraham, Abraham, there's a ram in the thicket. That's the same place that the Ark of the Covenant rested. And that Ark of the Covenant rested there and it symbolized the presence of God. But church today, because of the lamb that was a sacrifice for you and I, the Ark of the Covenant is no longer needed. The temple is no longer needed for now. That presence of God rests inside of us. For those that are obedient unto Jesus, that was obedient unto the cross, you want to feel the presence of God? Start being obedient unto His Word. In verse 10, And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And what did Abraham say? He said, Here am I. In Genesis 31 and chapter 46, God calls out, the angel of the Lord calls out to Jacob twice, and he says, Here am I. As Moses stood before the burning bush, it cried out to Moses, and he said, Here am I. Three times in 1 Samuel, the third chapter, God calls out to Samuel, and he says, Here am I. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, he calls out to Isaiah, and Isaiah calls out, Here am I, Lord, send me. God's calling out to you and I tonight, and he's saying, Who will go? He will be over obedient unto me and I'm asking the question tonight out of every single person in this place who is willing to stand up and say here am I send me God I shall go and do thy bidding Isaiah the first chapter in the 19th verse you've heard me say this before it says he that is willing and obedient shall eat of the fruit of the land he that is willing and obedient we've got a lot of people in the church today that are obedient they're obedient to what God's telling them to, but they're not willing in that obedience. They're doing it with a bad heart, with a bad mind. It's like if I was to tell Jimmy to go take the trash out, and he got out, and the whole time he was wheeling the trash out to the corner, he was mumbling under his breath about me, or running his mouth on me, and he was mad because he was in the middle of doing something, and I was making him do it. See, he's being obedient, but he's not being willing. And if I was to hear it, I would rectify the situation. So now when you're being obedient, now how many here, if you heard your kid running their mouth on you while they were being obedient, would definitely say something and do something about it? I'll tell you what, I would have felt some pain back in the day. So what makes you think that God is okay with us being obedient unto him and not being happy and running our mouth about it the whole time? Sure, God, I'll teach a Sunday school class, but I don't want to do it. I'm going to tell you that right now, but somebody's got to sit in there with the little crumb grabbers and teach them. I don't want to lead praise and worship. This ain't, let me see. Marty has never once complained to me about leading praise and worship. And I don't believe he's complained to anybody. This is just an example for everybody that listens to the podcast later this week. I don't want to lead praise and worship, Pastor. No, I'll lead praise and worship, Pastor. I'll do it. I'll stand up in front of everybody. Then you go home, you sit across the table, and tell your husband how everybody else in the praise and worship team is doing terrible. You don't like them. And if everybody was more like you, things would be better. But you're being obedient unto God. I don't want to help take up the offering. I don't really want to help do, clean the church on Saturday. Different ways that we go, we're obedient unto God, but we cry and we complain the whole way there and the whole way back. You know, you know what that is? It's called not being willing and obedient. God has called you to do something within the body, whether it's here or another church or wherever it might be. God has called you to do something within the body, and the church today is full of people who would rather run their mouth on the church than sit there and get up and say, yes, God, I'll do it because you asked me to. Abraham didn't sit there and cry and complain to, to his, to his uh, servants the entire time there. He didn't get up and cry and complain to Sarah. What did he do? He got up, he was willing, and he was obedient unto God, and because that, there was a ram in the thicket. 
Oh, for Abraham, if he would have sat there and not have been a willing vessel, if he wouldn't have been obedient unto God with a willing heart, with, with the heart of God, if he wouldn't have been like that, if he would have ran his mouth the entire time, would the ram have been in the thicket? What has God asked you to do today? I ain't about to work in that nursery. Half the time the video cuts out. It's always Barney back there in the diapers. My Lord, somebody needs to get these kids potty trained. I've been in churches before where the nursery coordinator walks down the hallway of the church and every woman in the place splits and peels off into a room because they don't want to go face to face. Well, we're having a potluck dinner after church on Sunday. Well, you kids get in there and you hurry up and eat because I don't want to have to help with the cleanup. That's just a pain in the neck and it drags on and drags on. And you ever sat there and had to sit there and wash 15 pots in the church sink? That's terrible. Now we've got to pick all the tables up and the floor and then Jude's running all over the place while we're trying to clean anyway and nothing gets done. Yes, pastor, I'll help. Like I said, you guys aren't like that. And I know Julie's mom ain't like that. She thrives on that, that kitchen stuff. <laughs> Verse 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. How many knows what Jehovah Jireh means? Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider. Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider. How many here today, God is your provider? How many here, God is your provider? Come on, you should say amen with a little bit of excitement. If God's your provider... You're acting like you're down there at Aldi's or something. Yeah, amen, God's my provider. It's time that we started getting a little excited about what God's going to provide us with. Now, if God ain't providing for you, you need to start asking the question, are you being obedient? Now, back to 1 Samuel 15, 22. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What, could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptations. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Three times now, it goes, there's two more times after that. Three times Christ now goes and prays to let this cup pass from him. Let this cup pass from him. What's interesting here is you got two different people that are given instruction. You got Christ being given instruction from God. And what was Christ's instruction? You're going to go to the cross. Okay, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. I'm sorry, son, you've asked me three times, but you know what? You're going to the cross. So what does Christ do? He gets up and he willingly, as a lamb to the slaughter, as the Bible says, he goes to the cross. But who was disobedient in this verse? The disciples that came with him. For he says, can you not pray with me one hour? And each time, what did the disciples do? Each time the disciples slept. 
Each time they went to sleep, they were not obedient unto the cross. They were not obedient unto God. You have one here that was obedient, and because of his obedience, what do we have? We have salvation today. But what, what else do we have there? We had Peter. He specifically called out Peter. And what did Peter do? Three different times. Three different times he fell asleep. So what's going to happen now later on in the day? Three different times Peter's going to deny Christ. Oh, how Peter needed that hour of prayer. Oh, how Peter needed to be interceding in that time, not for Christ, not for what Christ was going to go through, but for himself. He needed to be obedient unto God. He needed to be obedient unto Christ for himself, for he was about to betray, he was about to deny his master. He was about to be disobedient and deny his Lord. He needed his own intercession. He needed his own prayer. But instead, what was he? He was disobedient. And because he was disobedient, he fell in his hour of need and he denied Christ three times. Let that be a lesson to the church today. Christ that prayed three times was obedient unto the Father. Peter, who three times did not pray and went to sleep, what was he? He was not obedient unto the Father. That's a, Peter right there is a typology of the church today, the universal church. The universal church is going to sleep on the watch that God has appointed us to. And because of that, the world is going to hell. The church is going to hell in a handbasket in America today. Unsound doctrine is being preached from the pulpits. Why? Because we're going to sleep. Christ is saying, can you not pray with me one hour, people? Can you not worship me one hour? Can you not read your Bible one hour? And the church is sitting in there and they're going to sleep on Christ. And Christ is saying, it's time for the church to be obedient. Wake up because the hour is coming where you are going to need it. Three times Christ prayed not to be the sacrifice, yet he was still obedient. He was still obedient. Now, like as I started saying, I go back to 1 Samuel 15, 22. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Why? Because if Christ wouldn't have been obedient, he never would have been the sacrifice. You can't have the sacrifice without the obedience first. The obedience has to be there. If the obedience isn't there, the sacrifice is a moot point. It's null and void. Get rid of it. You're wasting your time. And it was the same way with Christ. If he wasn't obedient, his sacrifice for us would never have took place. And it's the same way in your life and my life today. Without our obedience unto the cross, without our obedience unto God and the things that he has taught us in his, in his word, without our obedience unto all those things that he asks us to do, any sacrifice that we make on our life, guess what? It falls on deaf ears because the obedience wasn't done first. Now, stop and ask yourself the question, what is God asking me to do? What has God been telling me to do? What is God wanting me to do that I haven't been obedient in, that I haven't followed up on? Just like today, and you know, I, I called Brother Mark in there in the office today, and I said, Brother Mark, man, I said, I, said, I think we need to have a, a, a service tonight. I said, God's been telling me we need to have a service tonight. And what do you think the first words out of Mark's mouth were? Ain't no way, dude. I got plans. Can you make it later on? <laughs> No, that's not what he said. You know, I went and told Mark, man, God's telling me we need to have a service tonight. Because I knew exactly what Mark was going to say. We're having a service tonight. I can tell you this much. Anytime I've gone to either one of these two brothers and said, man, God's telling me this is what we need to do. God's telling me this is what we need to do. You know what their response always is? Let's do it. Amen. Let's do it. And, and, and in the same way, if, if one of them comes to me and say, man, brother, I feel like God's telling me this or God's telling me that. What, what, do, you, what do you think we do? We're not just flipping coins back there in the office to make decisions. 
It, it, it doesn't work like that. Decisions we make in this house right here for this body and for this community are obedient driven decisions by who? Not by our ideas, not by our ideology, not by our theology, not by man's, man's intuition and man's doctrine, but the word of God and the Holy Spirit led leading that he does through us. Now, if the three of us can't be obedient unto the Holy Spirit and unto God, how can I expect anybody else in this place to be that way? You can't. Why? What does the Bible say? Lead by example. Lead by example, being obedient to the Spirit. So that when Jesse comes up to me and says, Pastor, God, I feel God's telling me to do this. Will you pray in agreement with me? I can pray in agreement with Jesse. Why? Because I know that I'm obedient unto the Spirit. And if he's being obedient in the Spirit, we're two or more gathered. Guess what? We're both going to be obedient in the Spirit together. How many feel like being obedient? How many is tired of hearing the word obedient today? I know Jimmy and Elijah are probably like, man, this, I feel like I'm at home. <laughs> hearing this all the time. So Abraham, at the end of the day, what happens with him? At the end of the day, what happens with Abraham? He comes back down the mountain. Now, can you just picture the servants that are sitting down there at the end of the mountain when he comes back down the mountain and they see him with the son? I'm like, you owe me five bucks. I told you the boy was coming back down the hill. Oh, the revival that must have broke, broke out when, when, the, when the ram was seen. When the ram was seen, the joy in Abraham's heart, the elation that he felt. Praise God. I, should, I, I imagine he couldn't get his son because it said he bound him. He probably couldn't cut the ropes off fast enough to get his son off of there and get the ram on the thicket and get the sacrifice done. Oh, when you're obedient unto God, the elation you feel, the joy you feel inside, especially when God says, move here, do this, do that, and you do it, and you see results. That's the joy of the Lord. That's your strength right there. Or when God tells you to step out and faith and do something and you do it and as you do things begin to fall into place yeah the enemy's going to come against you why is the enemy going to come against you because you've been obedient to God and you're walking in his will for your life now and anytime you're walking in your in God's will for your life and you're obedient unto him the enemy's going to come against you but guess what you've got one inside of you that's greater than he and you can overcome that but praise God, when you begin to see the results for your obedience to God, when you begin to see that, guess what? Take one step forward, you do. You begin to see the results. You start feeling a little bit better about yourself. Your faith begins to get built up. Take another step, and it happens again, and another step. You notice when God saw, uh, um, in Genesis, I believe it was the 8th chapter, when he first told Abraham to get up and go. You notice he didn't have a son then. He didn't ask him to go sacrifice anything then. Why is that? Because Abraham's faith wasn't strong enough yet at that point. Abraham had to be built up in his faith through small victories of being obedient unto God so that when the time came that God was going to ask him for the sacrifice, that he was strong enough in his faith that God knew he would be obedient unto him. Every little thing that God tells you to do is a small step of faith to build your faith up to the ultimate obedience that's going to come someday in your life. And you're going to know when that ultimate obedience comes. And guess what? Once that ultimate obedience happens, there's going to be another. There's going to be another. Why? Because we're always exercising and building up our faith. Ever learning and never coming into the knowledge. It's called sanctification. Always learning, drawing nearer to God, growing close to Him. Through our obedience, we build that relationship. We foster a relationship with God so that when the enemy finally does and he comes after you, maybe it be in your health, maybe it be with a child or a loved one or however it is, you can stand in and stand up in the midst of him and say, Get thee behind me, Satan, for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Why? Because I'm obedient unto God. Because I'm obedient unto God. Let's all stand.